I am Summer Stahlbomber. I'm here with Jesse Schneeblin. Hello. We're the Walton Biz Talk, and today we have a really special person here with us. His name is Austin Dean Ashford, and he's getting his MFA in acting and playwriting. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, could you just, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a little out of breath. Y'all, look, if y'all were just tuning in, we just had the most lavish jam session before we got in there. Um, I'm feeling really, really good right now. Um, I'm from the Bay Area, California. Um, you know, Facebook and Google are taking over that space. So, you know, I know how business works. Shout out to Biz Talk. Um, uh, by way of California, Texas is where I got my undergraduate degree. And now I'm at the University of Arkansas. <laughs> where I was able to develop my first one-person show. That is going off Broadway in a month. Yay. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I'm so grateful because I'm like, oh man, I'm still in grad school and I'm doing what they're training me to do outside of grad yeah. school while yeah. I'm still in grad school. So yeah. I decided to be a super big blessing. Yeah, that's amazing. What, how, <laughs> how did you get here? Like, how did you get into music? How did you get into acting? What happened before the MFA? Before, before, before this? this. <laughs> before the ukulele? One, that's another show that y'all need to write down. Before the MFA. I would love to be a narrator on it. Um, <laughs> um, I was a speech and debate nerd. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to all the forensic fans in the world. Yes, wearing suits and talking to walls on the weekend can eventually become cool. Um, I did sports. I was a super athlete. I'm the youngest of four, so all my siblings were super talented too. So um, I, the way I consider it is I had multiple teachers in the house because mm -hmm. I. Um, I learned that um, uh, a human learns the majority of the things that they need to survive before the age of five. So I was like, not only did I have both my parents, but I had all my siblings. So all the stuff that I was able to learn and comprehend at a young age, I'm now starting to recognize like, dang, I benefited by just being the baby in the house of a whole bunch of people doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that threw me like all of the sports. And then I got to high school. And then it was like, all right, Austin, you can keep playing football, basketball, track, risk. I like doing it all. I don't want to pick one. Or you can do speech and debate. <laughs> and my mom was like, you know you're going to speech and debate. <laughs> I was like, mom, speech and debate. <laughs> like, well, look at me. I'm, I'm the next. <laughs> I'm going to make it to the NBA and NFL. Why would you do that to us? Don't you want that house? I got the house for you. Look at me. I'm the baby. If there's anybody who's going to do it, it's going to be me. Come on, mom. Yeah. She's like, no, you're going to debate camp. I went to debate camp. And it was it was okay. It was where I was like, why am I like talking to walls and like reading books that I wouldn't read and trying to be characters and arguing over like NASA and stuff? Mm -hmm. I'm like, eighth and ninth grade. I don't care. Yeah, what is debate camp like? Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> this when you get 150, 200 kids and you throw them in a boot camp of argumentation. <laughs> oh my gosh, like you guys over here at the Lincoln Douglas debaters, you guys do one-on-one -on -one hour long debates about 
values in life. You guys are the policy debaters. So it's two on two, two hour debate. You guys will argue about legislation and Congress <laughs> and judicial. And, oh, Sounds exhausting. Oh my gosh. Then you have your parliamentary team debaters. They get a topic on the top of their head and they just have to go against a random person on the top of their head. And you're like, why do you? Those are people who know like all the domestic and international stuff, like what's going on in Korea and Iraq and America <laughs> at the same time. So you can say anything and they're just like, and you're like, are you going to use all of that knowledge? Yeah. That's me personally. Not getting in the business, but that's how it is. <laughs> then there's a whole other genre called public address where you get like your orators, your informative speakers, your critical analysis, your after dinner speaking. And then people like, where's the suit and tight? They're like your Bill Clinton, your Barack Obamas, right? And then you have your interpreters. And a lot of people don't know about interpreters. Those are people who do humorous interpretation, dramatic interpretation, duo interpretation, poetry interpretation, prose interpretation. Mm. And um, so it's like eight, nine categories in them. And those are the events I was really strong at, even though I was a state champion in public forum debate in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's when I also noticed my high school team was not winning districts or doing, I was like, but in the speech and debate, I'm already going to state and nationals. Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of made the turn in that direction. Um, and I got to watch this movie called The Great Debaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that school was like, hey, you want to come do debate over here? And I did it over there, but before I went to school there, um, my mom and my dad were really, really sick, and I had to go back to California. Um, and when they were really, really sick uh, that summer, I watched Bob Marley documentary, and I listened to Lauren Hill's MTV <laughs> Plug, Unplug 2.0. And at the end of those, in the summer, I was like, Pop, I need a ukulele. Oh, wow. Except it was 45 bucks, and I only had 32. And I was like, Dad, can we please go to B Street Music? I got 35 on it. <laughs> I just need you to bring me home with the tax. Yeah. <laughs> we got my first ukulele. Her name was Rosalina Aisha San Mateo, California. <laughs> she was red. She was beautiful. But my baby cousin broke her upside the head of another baby cousin. Oh, my God. Oh, you have no idea how angry <laughs> I was. At that moment, I was trying to be cool, like, but Austin, don't let them touch. I was like, no, that's a problem. Nobody in our family ever lets anybody see anything. That's why we're not cultured and exposed. Let them play with it. Go ahead. They're playing with it. I just see it go around the head like a slingshot. How are the people involved in this story? Adults. <laughs> I was gonna say. Under five. Okay, good. I was like. And I was like, I ate all my words. I was like, you know what? There is an age limit <laughs> on anybody touching it. But then that summer, I started to learn. I actually was horrible at the ukulele. It sucked. I'd be on the BART train. I'd, I was like, I couldn't get it. You know, people were like, oh, stop. What are you doing? Yeah. And my sister's like, what are you trying to do with that? I was like, well, what I really want to do is I know I do spoken word and poetry and stuff. Because when I was a teenager, I was on HBO Brave New Voices and I won the individual yeah. poetry slam. Um, and uh, I was like, I don't take the spoken word. I don't do the rapping. Like, I want to tell stories on the ukulele. And my sister was like, that's dumb. That'll never work. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't hurt, y'all. <laughs> it crushed my little spirit. <laughs> Next time I'm practicing, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get it, and I'm learning like, let it go on the ukulele. <laughs> I'm gonna crank it. Um, and then eventually, I was like, I noticed I started getting good as I get on the train, and I start to. Hmm. And when people would get on the train, they'd always come in angry. <laughs> but I just act like I'm not looking at them. And then eventually, I start closing, and I'm like, all right. And then once I start putting them to sleep, 
watching them, I was like, oh, I'm getting good. Yeah. Then people start getting off the train and they come on really angry, but then they'd leave with this like different energy and they'd be like, thank you. Hmm. It's like, man, before you got on here, you probably wouldn't even have talked to me. Hmm. But since you just kind of got your mind soothed and then after that, I was like, all right, this can do something. And then started making some songs and poems. And then when I first got here, I actually having a tough time because um, they don't have like a lot of roles for someone like me at the school. Um, so I was like, man, is it because I'm not good or something? It's like, no, it's not. That's just the stuff that they pick. You know, they don't have really space for me. And then somebody introduced me to adaptation in one person mm. show. Mm. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> there's so many things at play here so like you're talking about debate camp and how uh you know like basically you can do interpretations which i'm hearing a little bit yeah. of but i, I want to go back real quick to what you just said about you you saw that it could do something do you feel like that's what draws you to music and poetry and art or like is that is that what made you want to be like an actor or in theater? That ability to like change someone? Wow, you're doing the really good deep question. Nice work, Jesse. Look, you have a horn or something. <laughs> that was great. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I just think that's that's, what we need. that's such a interesting way to think about it. That like, hey, this has like an effect on, yes. on people. Yeah. Yes, I think the thing, the definition I'm starting to learn now is. Um, I, it's tough when people try to tell me like, what are you, who do you, what do you do? I think the best way for me to encompass now is storyteller. Yeah. Um, Cause then I don't have to say specifically like poet, musician, actor, writer, look, I, I love stories. And that's because I feel like great stories lessen the distance between human mm -hmm. beings. And it is a storyteller's job to preserve humanity through storytelling. Mm. Um, so that's why I try to now try to find a way through if I'm telling a story Right now we're in an era where people are so just super divided and distant from each other and they don't have to deal with other people a lot. Um, and what I'm learning about theater is in theater, people kind of, it's the only last space that we have where people will sit in a room and only focus on what's going on. Mm -hmm. Even in the movie theater, people will be pulling their phones out and stuff. Now <laughs> the theater's so awkward, you can't really pull out your phone yeah. <laughs> in the theater. So everybody has to experience something at the same time. And what I think, what I'm learning new from theater is that it's gotten so traditional that some people have been preaching to the choir instead of using the space to bring people who wouldn't normally be around each other and bring them together yeah. and showing them what makes them closer and more alike instead of what separates them. Because, mm. you know, when, like, you want to do music, this is why I found how music is so good in it. When I get a rhythm to a certain place, after a while, everybody's heartbeat in the room changed. So you gotta give yourself time in order to do that, but when that does happen, everybody's on the same wavelength, and that mm. lessens the distance between human beings, and now we can have conversation and discourse on how we're actually more alike than we're different. Mm. Um, and that's what I'm trying to learn through storytelling and art, is that maybe if I can get so personal, things are universal. Mm. So does that play into Island Trap a lot? <laughs> yeah, you like another horn! Brum, brum, brum. <laughs> Okay, Walter Bistock is not playing with y'all right now. This is a fire interview. Um, yes, Island Trap. And that actually came from that adaptation class because I took my first screen, uh, I mean, whatever, playwriting class. And um, I didn't know. And the first time I was taking a play, it was One Act Adventures. And I was writing this, like, this really, like, dark, like, one-person show that I can't tell you guys about now because I'm probably going to use it later. <laughs> <laughs> but after I was done with it, I was like, man, why does everything always have to be, like, monologue and dialogue? Like, I like mm -hmm. poems and songs. And they're like, you can do that. And I looked at my professor like, what? 
<laughs> Are you telling me <laughs> that I can put my music and my poems in here and I don't have to just do this Socrates, Aristotle narrative? Whoa. <laughs> They're like, yeah. I said, that girl be back. <laughs> <laughs> And the reason why I loved oh, Island Trap, the epic remixology of Homer's Odyssey, is one, it's an adaptation. Adaptation is hip hop. Hip hop is sampling. You saw what happened to disco, chants, jazz, blues, all of that. But it also allows me to grab a narrative that wasn't meant for someone like me. There's not a lot of historical characters for black people besides mm -hmm. being like Othello. And even Othello is kind of questionable right. as far as like a black narrative. It's either that or slave stuff. I'm like, nah, man, I want to be able to look at something that's historical that talks about oral story, oral storytelling. And I was the English major for undergrad. So I went back. I was like, all right, Dr. Brewster, what did you give us? <laughs> and they're just talking about how epic poetry and the story of it. And I was like, oh, man, Black Ulysses. Hmm. Um, but I was thinking, how can I do that in a contemporary sense? Which is why I like the new play festivals more than traditional stuff. I like new play fest because you see a community come together to create a new piece. Mm -hmm. And that new piece, how can that affect us? Because a lot of times the old things we have from pieces don't talk about what's going on now. So I was able to take um, the story of Ulysses and the Odyssey in Ithaca and transition to something contemporary for a group of people who it wasn't for to show that we still have journeys and we have stories, except mine might not be external. So I flipped it and inverted it and made it an internal story and using island trap because everybody wants their island of peace, their serenity, but a lot of us are stuck in the trap. So it's also a really good um, use of irony talking about how like violent, you know, the new music of trap music and like it gets very violent and people are just trying to get out and then there's the idea of the island because you hear something peaceful like this because you know, ukulele means uh, jumping flea. Um, <laughs> The idea of everybody wanting peace and having to deal with violence, I think is something that brings in with a lot of people who don't necessarily have to recognize. I've been able to see people who are like, some people are like, you know, I've actually never heard a perspective of a black man from that perspective. I didn't know that you you guys are more vulnerable in that sense. But see, if I never did as a play and broke it down in that way, we'd never have that opportunity to even talk about mm. it like that. Yeah. Um, but it's also fun, it's fantastical. You know, I turn into like nine different animals. <laughs> um, I have like six, seven poems, six, seven songs. Um, and I go on an entire uh, journey. Yeah. And it's called Island Trap. Weird. So Summer and I met Austin at the Northwest Arkansas Young Professional Summit. And you emceed for the for the summit, which was, was so fun. So fun. And it was awesome. And you have like this energy. And then you were like, I'm going to do this uh, short piece from Island Trap. And so I don't know what I was expecting, but just like the intensity mm. and your ability like it was so dynamic and intense and, and beautiful and beautiful and you had been so you know fun and lighthearted and yeah this complete different side that we just like, got really is amazing yeah it was just it was awesome. it was very impactful but it was, it was really incredible and i want to read a, a short description of island trap here um and i've taken this from one of the one of the play festivals that that this is how they described you so, uh, join Austin Ashford on this reverse one-person odyssey. Black Ulysses sets off on a mythic voyage from his own island to discover his true artistic home, where his raps can effortlessly flow. With the aid of a wise old lobster and a ukulele, his epic journey takes him through the traits, takes 
him through the straits of self-doubt and self-worth as he seeks through poetry and song to find and reveal his authentic self. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, it's so intense. Um, But also just, yeah, like Summer said, it was just so intense and and, and strange and beautiful. Um, So if Y'all just, people can't (laughs) see. I have to say this. I have the hugest (laughs) smile on my face right now. I was trying to play the ukulele on gentle, y'all. I'm not going to lie. I appreciate the love. I love me some love, okay? And when they said I just got so happy, I just want you to look. Can you hear me smiling through this podcast, please? It was. It was incredible. I mean, like, I had friends who were like, how was the summit? And I was like, the MC was incredible. Yeah, it was like, it was like this guy, Austin. Like, the summit was really awesome, but oh, course, you yes. you definitely just brought the energy in. And, oh, and it, was, it was intense. And, you know, one of the things that I want to mention, so one of the things that we're focusing on, our theme kind of for this whole... Uh, this semester and next semester is this theme of leadership. And I want to ask you a little bit about leadership. One, I think what you're doing um, is kind of paving the way for a completely new kind of adaptation. I don't know if other people are doing this. I haven't seen anyone else do this kind of thing. So can you speak a little bit to like how you define leadership and how you see it related, if at all, to what you're doing in Island Trap? Actually, the thing that I love most about Island Trap is I got to go on a high school tour throughout Arkansas this past summer uh, through Theater Squared. So I got to go to see schools from North, I got to go Bentonville, Rogers, um, uh, Springdale, and I also mm-hmm. got to go all the way down to Dollarway, Pine Bluff, Lakeside, and Little Rock. So I got to see the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. And not only did I get to do the show, I got to do workshops. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to teach some of the kids how to do hip hop theater and film and how to create their own one person show. And I think for me that matters so much is because a lot of them were telling me, they were telling me, they're like, not only do I think you're better than Donald Glover and Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> That's high price. <laughs> but Thank you for coming and hanging out with us. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's what that's what matters. Because you know mm-hmm. a lot of people who they look up to, not to say that they wouldn't, but they don't have the time to come back, see them face to face. And not right. just like see you like, I'm not going to just do the song, but like, nah, we're going to hang out in the classroom. Yeah. This is the writing out. prompt. Let me hear. No, I want to hear you rap. Let me hear you do your writing <laughs> prompt. You know, and I think, um, I think community service is a big part of leadership. Cause I don't, it's hard for me to want to follow somebody who I don't feel like has character and integrity beyond themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm going around and doing Island Trap, the majority of the time, I try to find a way to make sure I can go to a high school or a college or a juvenile center and make sure that I do the workshops as well as doing the one person show. Cause yeah, somebody could grab like the themes and the methods out of the one person show. But I feel like um, a leader is somebody who treats the king or the queen of royalty the same way they treat the janitor Hmm. that shows character and integrity and somebody who's willing to do the extra work that'll go beyond their name you know um some of the places that i go um i don't i don't put it online or anything like that because it's not about saying look at what i'm doing with all of these kids (laughs) yeah yeah no and you know (laughs) it's not something like if you guys don't have enough money i'm not coming no (laughs) no no that's not what it's about um this really amazing lady. Oh, I'm so glad I get to be able to shout her out because she's so amazing. Um, in Little Rock, she's one of the best historians. Her name's Annie Abram. Um, she told me 
she's really awesome. Like she's very close to Bill Clinton and Nelson Mandela, and she was very close to Rosa Parks and Daisy Bates. Um, she said every day she's paying rent for her spot in heaven by giving service here on earth. Hmm. And I feel like that's a sign of an amazing leader. Hmm. Somebody who knows that in order for the entire group and community to change, you have to feed into it the same way that it's being fed negative stuff. Somebody has to take the time to plant some positive things in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, granted, there can be a rose that grows out of the concrete, but what if that rose had the opportunity to grow in an orchard? Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> I love that. We've had answers. Um, I think service learning yeah. sort of like being a, a leader through being like a servant sort of has come up a lot but mm-hmm. I really like how you stated that, that yeah really nice. yeah it's been really I don't I don't want to say surprising but really it's been surprising just how often this idea of like servant leadership has come up mm-hmm. um pretty much almost everyone we've interviewed has kind of had that angle a little bit like this idea of community service community engagement um, helping like your peer or your. Well, then I might have something a little left field that might not be the popular opinion, but okay. it's necessary. Self mastery. You mm. can't help nobody else until you help yourself first. Mm. I think a good leader takes good care of themselves. I think they know when to rest. I think they have good positive self talk, which is a very difficult thing to do mm-hmm. because they have a lot of weight and intensity. Um, I th- yeah, I think they have. A, I think a great leader shows us how to be great by how they treat themselves. Hmm. Oh yeah, I completely agree. That's awesome. How do you how do you engage in self-mastery? Like what do you do to you said like knows how to talk to yourself? Like can you you know just for like students okay. who oh, are a I lot of our listeners. You need to date yourself the same <laughs> way you would date somebody else. Okay. And have your evaluations um, and that's kind of connects back to business. Shout out to the Walton Bistock. <laughs> you know, after every quarter, after every section, you need to have your evaluation on how did this date go? Mm. And sometimes that date is with yourself. How, how have you been treating yourself as far as when you go out and interact with other people? How has your treatment been interacting with other people? How has your interaction been with yourself mentally? How do you talk to yourself mentally? Literally take those notes. What have you said about yourself with all of the goals you've had for the past month? Have you been encouraging towards your goals? Have you touched yourself that you couldn't? Have you been feeding it doubt? Have you been feeding it faith? Hmm. Um, And the same thing, pushing out to um, your personal relationships. I think it's important for someone who wants to have self-mastery to know that you have to have healthy business relationships and healthy personal relationships. So Hmm. you have to evaluate even your friends. You know, if some of them aren't right, you have to let that go because that's a connection to you the same way you got to check your habits. Hmm. You know, all your habits are going to go away, but you have to have that time back of the month where you're checking, like, oh, it's evaluation time. Uh, you know, how have I been doing? Have I been making sure that I set up moments for me to get a valid amount of rest where I don't have to have all pressure and all work? Have I been as organized as I usually? And I don't lie to yourself. Because <laughs> you know, a lot of us be lying when we think we in love and we dating. <laughs> and then you wasn't checking those red flags. And then all of a sudden this big breakup happened. Like, how did this happen? You saw them red flags. <laughs> and I think it's the same thing with self-love. You know, I think it's uh, allowing yourself to know what place you're in, what is your purpose in that place? You know, are you being fruitful with what you're doing? And if you're not being fruitful, evaluate yourself. How come things aren't growing? Um, I think a person who has self-love has their identity of themselves and they don't lie because that allows you to have security. 
Because, you know, when you're trying to strive to the top, it's easy to get real insecure. You see somebody really big and hot and stuff, but you've been checking your evaluations and you're comfortable with who you are. Mm-hmm. You could be next to Rihanna or Beyonce and be like, well, I'm, I'm me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think somebody, and that's a really important, I think, for a leader to have because, you know, the masses of people don't have that sense of security or self-confidence and need to learn how to have that. Uh, so that would be my action game plan for somebody who's working on having self-love. Nice. Mm. nice. Treat yourself the way you want people to treat you. Mm. You could be next to Rihanna or Beyonce and still be like, I'm me. <laughs> could you be next to, like, Denzel Washington? Y'all, their segues are so good, they need a segue up in here, okay? Uh, and speaking of Denzel Washington, <laughs> now that we're on the topic, uh, could you tell us about your relationship to him? Yes, oh my gosh. And I'm going to do this, but I'm going to be talking on it while I'm going to let you guys watch the actual video. Oh, yeah, okay. So then There's they're, a video. They're old on something. Don't say it like <laughs> <laughs> When you said that, I feel like I'm about to get caught up on scandal. <laughs> uh, well, and, and shout out to the writers in that amazing show. Mm-hmm. Um, so Denzel Washington. Okay. Um, when I was little, I watched the movie The Great Debaters, and I was like, oh, man, I sure would like to be like one of them, like The Great Debaters. That's really, 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 really cool. Um, and I finally had the opportunity... I'm, I'm really inspired by... That happened earlier this year. Um, the first time I met Denzel Washington last year. Actually, I thought I wasn't going to meet him. We're watching a video of Denzel Washington, just FYI. We're watching at the same time, don't worry. Y'all notice when it's loud and stuff being quiet. But um, the movie that happened, we were the first HBCU to win the overall tournament in speech and debate. At all black school, I've never won the overall speech debate. So we did that my sophomore year. Um, and we did it again my senior year. <laughs> That's after I graduated. That's this year. Oh, wow. He donated another million dollars to the debate team. Now we've got his chair. That's amazing. Yeah, that's about to be good. <laughs> Oh my god, that's awesome. That's so cool. Okay, 
Tell you were just like meant to hype people up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're just so good at it. Uh, you have no idea which I appreciate that. I, would, I definitely would. If, if that's what I did before I leave the earth was lift everybody's vibration up, I would consider it a purpose well filled. Aww. That's awesome. Okay. So he also wrote the letter of recommendation for me to come to University of Arkansas. Oh, wow. Because we, um, so we, we were the first historical black college to ever win the overall title for um, speech and debate champions. Mm -hmm. And we did it back to back. Um, he came and saw me my junior year when I was already kind of down because my first year I won seven national titles. Hmm. Then the second year I won another seven. Oh my God. And then my junior year I got six second places. Oh, no. And I'd only won, like, one. I was hurt. But that was when they were like, oh, Denzel Washington's coming to visit. They're like, awesome, we want you to do, like, your piece. And I was just like, oh, okay. And then I finally, I was like, he's not coming. Denzel Washington's not coming here. He was supposed to come one time. He didn't come. The times changed and stuff. I said, he's not coming. He's too famous, man. <laughs> I was like, man, this is what it feels like to have a stepdad. This sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then out of nowhere... Everybody's waiting. I'm seeing people who don't even like the debate team. They showed up that day. Talking, oh, do you have any help? You know, we don't need no help. <laughs> you don't even like us. <laughs> Out of nowhere, we see this black suburban come in. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Everybody runs to the window, and as soon as the suburban opens, whew, you see Denzel doing that John Key walk. <laughs> Right? And then everybody tries to sit down and act like we were just looking at her in the window. And as soon as I'm like, oh my gosh, he's here. Oh my gosh. And then it just clicked in my head and said, Oh snap, I'm about to perform for Denzel Washington. <laughs> so I'm walking around, I'm like, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm like, oh. He's finally sit down. It's funny too, when he walked in the room, <laughs> he it was Denzel on 10, automatically. I said, you must have practiced this or something. He walked in, he's like, all right, all right. Now, who's ready to show me what you got? Great or better? Mm? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, Everybody introduces their name, like the whole president of the schools in there. I don't know why there's graduation regalia. Like, nobody's graduating. Uh, um, and they're like, um, we're going to have one of our students perform an interpretive uh, speech for you about the GED and incarceration. And um, he was like, all right, who's going to go? I got up. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to perform. <laughs> I walked to the front of the room. <laughs> I walked to the front of the room. I'm looking Denzel's eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I start doing my performance. So I'm performing. I'm doing around the room. And there's a part of the piece because I actually, I actually got a GED. Um, so, but I, there's a part where I'm looking at him and I'm doing a part of the piece where I, I turn my binder to a shotgun like I'm begging education to give me a chance. I just want to learn. And that's when Denzel's eyes went at half mass. And I was like, just please give me one chance. And then there goes the glory tear. Oh my God. And I didn't even let him leave. I'm looking at him in his eyes. <laughs> no, that's mine. <laughs> and after I stumbled from him, he got him start. What was that? What was I? What was that? This is me? I was like, yeah. He's like, no one ever told me this. He's from the Great Debate. And he's told about the, the Lincoln Douglas and policy. He's like, no, that's part of it too. He's like, you need to do this around the world. You need to do this around the world. And and then I was like, I was like, I've never acted before. I've only done speech and debate. He said, it's the same thing. You're doing the same thing. 
Next thing I know, he wrote a letter of recommendation for me. Oh, wow. Um, Wait, so, so did you have plans to, like, no. go, oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> so no plans to do, like, theater, acting. Like a speech and debate coach. Oh, wow. My doctrine. Um, and then he's like, no, you need to go act. So uh, after <laughs> I wrote my letter of recommendation, I applied to a, a whole bunch of schools um, just for acting, and I didn't get in. Actually, University of Arkansas, I went to audition. I wasn't on their list. I went all the way upstairs. I'm knocking on the head of the program. like, please, I just, just just give me a chance. Your program has some classes I really, really would say. Just give me another chance. She was, and the lady, she's so nice. She's also like, you're actually on my list five times. I was like, you don't have to lie to me. Okay? When you print it out, nobody gets a piece of paper. Just let me get another chance. Okay? I promise you don't give it. She's like, no, I promise you on my list. I was like, you don't have Look. <laughs> just let me show you I got the thing. Yeah. So I ended up doing it. She calls me back. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess because they didn't even check, they didn't even check that I had a letter of recommendation from Denzel. Like nobody does. <laughs> so I was like, man, I have this thing that doesn't really want to work out. Like, um, so eventually, you like read the letter. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That and that's the funny thing. This was happening from like NYU, Yale, Juilliard. I was like, man, I got this from everybody. But then after a while, I got into here. Instead of doing one person show, I got entered into this Kennedy Center competition. Mm. Um, where Island Trap won 10 awards and I got to perform at the actual Kennedy Center. And guess what schools I ended up beating? <laughs> NYU, Yale, Juilliard, Carnegie Mellon, That's and amazing. Brown. Wow. And not just as an actor, but as a playwright and an actor. Before that, did you ever feel like maybe, like, did you ever feel like you'd failed a little bit? Or did you ever oh, feel? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. I thought I was a complete failure. How'd you get through that? Or like, what? Well, Actually, I had skipped over that part because it wasn't as nice and beautiful. <laughs> I actually was homeless. I was incarcerated, oh, wow. and I had a GED before I went back to California to take care of my folks Gosh. and go to Wiley College. So for me, the big reason I wanted to go back to school is like, man, I can't be no dude who has like a record who was homeless. I also have malnutrition and just living in the world. So I wanted to go back to school. So I can have more than a GED and just be a speech and debate coach. Um, and then as I started going, I was like, no, nah, I think I want a doctorate. And that was just for me. I was like, no, I can change my life story. Um, it doesn't matter how I start off. I can choose how it ends. And that's why it's really cool right now. I'm applying to like seven doctoral programs. Wow. And there's like nine or ten that are interested. <laughs> um, and I'll get to go into like performance studies. So I'm, right now in our program, I'm just like super thankful. I'm super pumped up. Because I feel like I'm now, what I love about being a storyteller is the part that I'm learning about storytelling, or which is going to be my thesis. I'm going to shout out my thesis because it's dropping. So. <laughs> um, dropping your thesis. <laughs> yes, yes. This is going to be turned into an audio book. Um, my thesis is called Blacking, the inseparable act of being black and acting for the magical Negro. And I talk about how I learned here in an environment that maybe wasn't meant for me, how acting is a life skill and acting you have to know the character's values, their previous circumstances, their obstacles, and what they want to accomplish, no matter the environment, to have the story. So I'll talk about black thing. What is it like being a black person who wants to operate with character and integrity and values? How do I achieve my obstacle? I mean, how do I achieve my goal when I have obstacles? So I think that's a life skill and not just a story skill. Hmm. And what I'm learning about storytelling is uh, everything has a story. and with doing one-person show writing, as I'm looking at how acting in, is a life skill, I'm also noticing that the life skill and the story skill are the same. The same way you could decide the end of a story for a character, I can decide the end of the story that I want for my own life. Hmm. Um, and applying it in that same way or fashion. 
which is where I'm really excited because it allows me to feel like I have agency in my life. It allows me to have self-love and self-confidence and feel like a leader. Hmm. So cool. Wow. <laughs> I've never been so excited about a thesis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's that's all. You've said so many things. I'm trying to decide which one to pick up on. Yeah. Oh, anyone. I'm going to start killing you guys all the time because I'm having a great time. Y'all, no, no. We, uh, we more, more. We hope that you guys are having a good time. Make sure you tip the bartender, okay? Because everybody's trying to make it through school, all right? And if you have some time, make sure you go on down to uh, Crystal Bridges and check out the new stuff that they got down there and come on down to the Walton Arts Center, all right? Hey, guys. This is Austin. He's going to be on our podcast next season. Chopped and screwed.
We're back. We just went to the bathroom. Thank you for listening to our very first commercial break. (laughs) (laughs) Brought to you by Austin Dean Ashford. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. So you want to do the doctoral program. What, what what's next? What's what's next for you? Is it the P, is it is the doctoral program? You're going to go to Broadway. Can yeah. you also you're going off Broadway. Sorry, this is going to be a big question. Yes. Oh, a lot of questions in one. You're going off Broadway, but you're also you said earlier, well actually you just said this to me, but you're taking your show off to like New Zealand and Australia and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So that's awesome. How long will you be taking your show off Broadway, and then like when are you doing your doctoral program? Like, how is that all? You gonna know what's work? so awesome about that is because I got into a festival to do the off Broadway thing. I'm going there, and it's only a one night only. However, things went so good when I went in San Diego. There's I have like three or four college booking agencies coming mm. to show in New York. There's three or four literary agents in New York who are coming to the show. I just invited the heads of the program at NYU and Brown to come watch the show, and they were going to have meetings talking about, you know, do we fit or do we not? I'm just trying to use, you know, that Walton Biz Talk swagger. <laughs> and let them know, you know, this little boy from Arkansas came to ball. Yeah. Um, and that after that thing with New York, or well, the really cool thing about New York is when I come to town, I'm performing for like two or three high schools to do the workshop thing and hang out with them begin and get my energy right before I got to do the performances and then after that then we'll talk to like agents and, mm-hmm. and schools and stuff but also I've never been to New York before oh yeah so the first time yeah. I'm going is to do my <laughs> one person show off Broadway that's amazing and interview for a doctoral program that is sincere that's incredible <laughs> that is yeah sincere. yeah that's amazing and talk about like writing your own story oh my gosh <laughs> okay uh, well also uh, New Zealand and Australia are going to happen in March Hmm. And that's also my birthday month. And I've also never left America before. (laughs) So the first time I'm leaving America is to do Island Trap on an island. Wow. Cool. (laughs) Island Trap on an island. That's Um, amazing. But writing the own stuff, that's really cool. I released my second one-person show in June. Mm. That went up at Theater Square. They knew it really, really, really well. It's called Black Book. In that piece, I actually show this scene about Denzel Washington. I talk about what it was like learning speech and debate. Mm. I created a school in the future um, called Melvin B. Tolson High School uh, from the movie The Great Debaters, Melvin B. Tolson. And what happens is all teachers are given guns and one of the teachers kill one of the students. And so I come in as a summer school teacher teaching the kids how to deal with that through speech and debate. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And I'm doing that here, actually, at the so school. So, wait, is that, that's a play? Yeah, that's a play. That's my next one-person show. That's your next one-person show. Yeah, Where? I did it in June at Theater Squared, and it got a lot of what? love. It did really well. well. Because it sounds incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it happening in November? Um, Probably either in 404 or at Global Campus. So, here yes, in Northwest yes. Arkansas. Yes, yes. The okay. first full production will be happening here in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, we need okay. to know about this yes. so we can attend. You guys we'll have there. to come. Oh. Yeah, that so yeah, that's amazing. I actually, you know, I have not gotten that little piece that you did out of my head, and like even that little, left, that, right, yeah. We will you do some of that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I is there? Yeah, I was gonna say, is there a way to do like just like a short little? I can definitely do a section. I already okay. do a section you guys would want to. Perfect. Okay. Um, see, Shorty needed someone to speak with, be deep with their secrets, and be with that little man couldn't do that. See, Shorty would tell Little Man about the scars on his arms and how they tell stories. How his wrists get quick whips of a blade and shift his emotion in negative direction, getting depression, leaving abusive scars on his arms. Next thing you know, it's clap, pop! 
Shorty took his own life away. And now little man remains in checkmate with the stale face because his thoughts no longer pawn forward. See, the dream's always the same. Light becomes dark and dark becomes light and I'm moving in some sort of structure and there's a sergeant yelling at me, left, right, left. See, little man's hurting because he knows that his best friend just left, right, left. That was his ace boom coon between drug deals and bullet monsoons. Left, right, left. And it hurts me because I know that little man really is me. And it hurts me to know that my best friend just left me right here. The king told us about the dream, but he never told us about the nightmare. Mm. All right. Wow. Goodness, that was a clip from Island Trash by Austin Dean Ashford. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah, just a very short snippet of the intensity of, of that of that play wow. that you've, that one, what do you call it? Do you call it a play? Do you call it a one-man show? I said one-man show. One-man show. Okay, okay. Wow. That's so good. That was so cool. <laughs> we were so close to you. Yeah. So I'm trying to find a way to do Island Trap out here one more time. Oh my God, right. will you please do that? But I'd only do it is if I could kind of find a way to get like people to actually know about it. I love yeah. my department. We don't find a way to get people who are in the department to come check out our stuff. So this is me trying to reach out to all the positive vibes and energy. Yeah, I don't think you would have a hard time getting people to go that. I don't either. Like, I don't think you would at all. So even if I have to walk around this campus playing ukulele for two <laughs> weeks straight and beatboxing with a big flyer on my back <laughs> saying, please come. That would work, though. I think that would work, though. Yeah, work. I really do think it would yeah, work. You just got a booth in front of the union. <laughs> just playing through I need to ask somebody with those little carts. You got to sit on the back of this. <laughs> right around. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. So that's the little part that was getting stuck in my head. Oh, yeah, yeah that you can't touch my soul. No, yeah, that's what you did. At I was the... born to go get it, get it. I was born to go get it, get it. Whoop, there it is. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> that's it. Oh my gosh. So, okay, so you played that at the Northwest Arkansas Young Professionals Summit. How did you get involved with them? Like, did they just ask you, like, oh. hey, come be our MC? Um, I did an event uh, for Black History Month called It's Black, It's Lit at the Alumni Association. Okay. And that was the first time I was like, I was just like a theater kid. I was like, man, oh, there's everybody else on this campus. I can't just, I can't just be around the theater kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> and you gotta recognize, I wasn't like a real theater kid. I came through speech and debate. I never did anything theater or film until I got here. Hmm. So when I'm even around theater people, now I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, I know I wore suits and talked to walls, but y'all like, stop. <laughs> one, stop. If y'all are wearing clothes, like, <laughs> it's just a, it's a big environment to yeah, just jump yeah. into. So then I went to that event, did the event, and that's where I saw uh, Dr. Jenkins. He was like, oh, yeah. doing his bow tie thing. I was like, doing his bow tie thing, yeah. I was like, man, you must have a lot of bow ties if your name is Bow Tie, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, are you a student here, Angie? And then he told me who it really was. I was like, oh, <laughs> why are you even here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then he contacted me later. I told him I was interested in like pursuing school and still getting my doctorate. And he was like, all right, sure. He's like, you're talented. You might have to. And I told him what I really want to do with um, education. Because um, 
Now, if when I have my doctrine of performance studies, I'm going to be able to use my curriculums for hip-hop theater and film and one-person shows and put them in juvenile centers and prisons to help fix the recidivism rates. Mm. So I figure if people know how to tell their own stories and tell stories, they don't feel like they need to go back because they feel like the prison's a home or mm. find their craft and they want to share that with the world and they might even travel more. Um, so that's why I want to get the doctrine of performance studies because I feel like my curriculums and ideas and theories would be more listened to in that facet if I have mm. the proof and documentation than me just winning like 20 Emmys, Grammys, Oscars, and Tonys, which I still want to win. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can do both. Yeah, you can do both. Yeah! yeah. So is that like a, is that a picture of like future Austin? Like who is future Austin to you? What does he look like? Future Austin. What's he doing? Dr. Ashford. Dr. Ashford, I like that. selling out 15,000, 20,000 arenas. Uh, seated arenas worldwide. I got two major TV shows that I created <laughs> that are on premium television. They're on HBO. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. If, the, if the deal's right. Uh, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> if you got the traffic, I don't need the name. <laughs> I learned that, learned that from Biz Talk Business. Okay? <laughs> I learned from the Waltons how to do some business, okay? <laughs> um, um, yeah. I think I'd be a very big public speaker, seminar worker. Um, I want to come for Tony Robbins and Eric Thomas and Zig Ziglar and Joyce Meister and Les Brown. I study them a lot to where like, I know um, as much as I want to do one person show, I want to be able to walk into a corporate or conference event and still remind people that acting is a life skill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is your character in the office with the goals that you want to accomplish and the obstacles you're trying to overcome? I think that mm-hmm. message works in and outside of the theater because we all have roles, but we all can write our own story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think public speaking, seminars, workshops, TV shows, um, and I'm also good. I just want to be able to have a beautiful family legacy, um, you know, be able to have time with a beautiful woman who's encouraging and supportive, and also her ambition keeps me ambitious, and also have enough time to be around my beautiful children, if I can find a way to um, help them elevate on whatever they want to, and be able to let them come into this world and feel like they're coming into privilege, like they, you know, let them have the opportunity of coming in like a Blue Ivy or a Willow Smith. Uh, set up that legacy and that kingdom for them for when they come in. And if it's not there physically, I want them to be able to have that spiritually. Hmm. Um, because that's the sign of a good leader. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think the end goal would be the leader to eventually have my own network and streaming service in like 10, 15, 20 years. Okay. Oh, cool. All right, all right. Okay. Okay. Who knows what that will look like in 10 to 15, 20 years. Oh, yeah, true. I'm really interested to see how that... <laughs> our concerts will rock. Musicians in your living room, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is our last question, but... <laughs> I don't want it to end. I know. It's sad, ukulele. Oh. You can play while you answer it okay, if you okay. want. Um, could you tell us about a leader or a few leaders in your life who have inspired you? Oh my goodness. You guys, they asked me such a beautiful question. My, my face is all over the place right now. Um, I could start with Paul Robinson. I could start with Paul Robinson, but people have to do their history. But since I said his name twice, Paul Robinson for the third time, somebody will Google it. Um, I'd actually say one of my biggest inspirations, if somebody would come watch this black book and go see is my high school speech and debate teacher, Dr. Tommy Lindsey Jr. Um, he was the most winningest high school speech and debate coach. And I just so happened to be in the city where he taught speech and debate for so many years. Um, he's been on Oprah. 
she's given him money. He's won the MacArthur Genius Award for mm. teaching. Um, and the, the way that he just looked at giving community service back to the community, like he was teaching the type of kids who were never given the benefit of uh, rhetoric and argumentation, that skill and that tool set to where they could apply for jobs just like anybody. Mm. And he really sacrificed his life because he could have been a big time lawyer, but said he went into juvenile centers and started teaching kids at alternative schools mm. and then at public schools. And when you see somebody like, why would you give up your dream like that? And you notice when you look back at their life, it's like, nah, they didn't give up their dream. They walked through their purpose. Mm. Um, that's, that's, that's a really, 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 really big one is Dr. Lindsay. Um, I still want to say Denzel Washington. Um, Denzel Washington's a really, really big facet because I literally saw somebody who was intangible to me become tangible. And if that's not a promise and gift from God, I don't know what is. Because um, to see that someone at that facet, someone that that's like that A plus facet, hmm. still is humble enough to come to a small town. When I went to Wyatt College, there's less than 800 students at that school in East Texas. Um, he still found a way to come to that school. He just come visit. He like hung out with us for like five, six hours. And I was looking, I was like, man, even when you're up that high, you still have character and integrity. When you talk to people, he would still listen to them. Um, he didn't like brush people off. He gave as much time as he could. Um, he was definitely trying to pour positive energy and wisdom. And I saw something like that. I was like, man, I would want somebody who interacts with me, whether they feel like they had the time they wanted or didn't have the time to feel at least they genuinely got to see that I'm a caring person hmm. and not that I was putting on a facade to be caring, but no, we can sit down, we could talk, and if there's anything I have to offer you and you're not trying to like rob me or stab me or anything like that, then, you know, <laughs> I'll offer that up to you. Um, Nelson Mandela, Invictus, powerful beyond measure. Um, the idea of just a human being who could have wiggled out in any way, they would have let him out if you just said whatever, but the fact that he put 10 toes down for his community to have change, even though he had to sacrifice so much. I really look up to people who are willing to sacrifice their dreams to follow through a purpose that might be bigger than them. Um, I also have to say, and I know everybody's gonna think I'm gonna say Barack, but I'm gonna say Michelle. Um, Michelle is such a huge inspiration to me. Oh my goodness. Probably to the point where it's uncomfortable for a man to look up to a woman like that. <laughs> but the way that she operates with intelligence and grace, um, I actually look at her to be one of the highest forms of role model of leadership. Um, just the way that she could tell she looks over her daughters and able to handle things at home and the new initiatives that she brought in with all the obstacles that she has to go through. Cause you know, she has more obstacles than me. And when I see the way that she operates still with grace and love and intelligence, I'm like, man, I really wanted her to run for president, but I can't blame her for being tired of being in the White House that long. But Michelle, if you hear me, I would love to go ahead and vote for you, okay? You got the juice and the sauce. Um, and the last one probably super biblical, but I, um, and if people don't, don't believe, uh, you know, in God and Jesus and Christ, and I say look at it through like a historical text, just the story of somebody who wanted to spread love through times of darkness and was willing to sacrifice himself, someone who was willing to study their craft or whatever they're doing for long enough to where they could unleash it with the world. You know, the fact that he was like a scholar for like 30 years is really, really, really interesting to me. Um, Cause I get a lot of offers like, you know, I was actually offered to be in like two or three major films and not come back to school this year actually. 
Um, I know, trust me, it wasn't as, as much as much as <laughs> like it was easy to say that it Whoa, wasn't. It, yeah. it wasn't. But I think because of the background coming from like a GED and wanting to get to the doctrine, mm. to me it's not just about like learning the craft and going. I wanna be able to get through these checkpoints. So somebody else who thinks that you can't be well educated and be an entertainer, that's false. Let's get rid mm-hmm. of that. Let's break generational curses. Um so yeah, Michelle Obama, Nelson Mandela, and Dr. Lindsay. That's gonna be my big three. Mm. Oh, I can't forget crazy enough for my rush more. <laughs> I probably oh, talked okay. y'all ears off. Look, nah. the biz was so, talkative. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, we need, we need that. Thank you so much, Austin, for joining us today. This has been incredible. Mm-hmm.